Uh, we really believe at Christ Point that parents are the, the primary spiritual influencers in the life of their uh, son or daughter, but we as a church have the great joy and privilege of coming alongside uh, moms and dads and, uh, and playing, uh, hopefully, God willing, a significant role in that. So be praying uh, again for our student ministry leaders. Be praying for our students as well. We really believe that the things that we want to see take place uh, in uh, their lives and in our lives uh, cannot happen unless the Spirit of the living God moves and acts. And so we want to pray uh, toward that end, that God might do that for his name's sake. Uh, for uh, the, the longest time, as early as I can remember, I have had a desire to have great relationships. Uh, even when I didn't know exactly what that meant or what that looked like, I, I still wanted it. I longed for it. As a young man many years ago, when I started thinking about what it would be like to be married someday, I thought to myself, God, I want a great marriage. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that I wanted it. And so I started looking around and I would notice how people interacted and how they talked to one another. And I thought to myself, I want that, or I want that, or I don't want that, and I don't want that. I wanted a great marriage after I got married, and Melissa and I started thinking about uh, having a family, having children. I always thought to myself, well, I want a great relationship with my parents, or with my kids. Uh, I want the kind of relationship where uh, as they get older and they move out and they move away, they call me more often than my birthday and Father's Day. I didn't know exactly what that might look like. I didn't know all the details, but I just thought to myself, I hope when they roll out of the house, they uh, feel the freedom to roll back in. I thought to myself, boy, I, I hope my relationships, my friendships with other people are great. Again, I didn't know exactly what it meant. I didn't know exactly what it looked like, but every once in a while I would hear a story or I would see these two old guys in McDonald's uh, sipping on coffee and they had fought in the, the war together. They learned how to walk together and they were scooting around on their walkers together. And uh, they would give each other a hard time and laugh and be silly and cut up. And I thought to myself, that seems like a, a great friendship. I want to experience that. I, I wanted great relationships. And something tells me that uh, you have had a similar experience. You probably have thought to yourself at one point or another, I want a great marriage, or I, I want to connect in a great way with my kids, or I want great relationships. Don't you want to uh, experience greatness in your relationships? I always did. And it seems to me that it makes sense that if we long for and desire to experience great relationships with one another, that we would want to experience a great relationship with God. I mean, don't you want the kind of relationship with God who made you where uh, you flourish in that relationship, where you spend time together, where you feel connected toward uh, one another, where you continue to, to grow through the years and move toward health? Don't you want your relationship with God to be great? I think all of us on some level long for that, but the reality is, is we don't always experience it. Uh, sometimes when people talk about their relationship with the Lord, they might describe it as just kind of, meh, it's okay. It's not terrible. It's, it's not great. Uh, some people would say their relationship with the Lord is actually non-existent. Maybe they don't know God, or, or maybe they made a decision when they were a little kid to follow God, but they don't know exactly what that means. It seems like more and more there are people who claim to know God or follow God or have a relationship with God who walk away from God. Just a couple weeks ago, a pretty famous uh, former pastor and author, 
walked away from the faith. He is the one who, when I was growing up, wrote the book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And he reached a point in life when uh, he said, I'm, I'm kissing Jesus goodbye. And I'm, I'm walking away. Have you ever heard a story like that before? Where someone who seemingly had a great relationship with God at some point, for whatever reason, no longer does. Now, this isn't new. It's actually been happening for thousands of years. As a matter of fact, John the Elder writes in 1 John chapter 2 that there were some people uh, who claimed to know God and know Christ who walked away. It says they went out from us, but they were never of us. And so I started thinking to myself, what does it look like to have and maintain a, a great relationship with God? Does such a thing even exist? And if it does, uh, how can we experience it? Because I want to experience it, and something tells me uh, that you want to experience it as well. And so this morning, I want us to think together as a church family about what does it look like uh, to pursue a, a, a growing, healthy, flourishing relationship with the God that made us. Uh, John talks about how we can have that experience in 1 John chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. And I want to look beginning in verse 28. Uh, 1 John chapter 2 uh, beginning in verse 28. Uh, John writes to these house churches and says, And now, little children, abide in him. Abide in him. There's the key. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. And so, so John talks about this concept, this idea right here in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. He says, abide in him abide uh, in christ have you heard that idea before abide in christ it's uh, a phrase or an idea that sometimes we talk a lot about as followers of jesus but i don't know if we ever like bring a lot of definition around it i mean what does that what does it mean to abide in christ what does it look like well john uh, gives us a picture of it in his gospel in john uh, chapter 15 in John chapter 15, uh, John writes, or Jesus is speaking and says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Abide in me, this is verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you. Unless you abide in me, verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, uh, you can do nothing. A little further down in verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so Jesus paints this picture of life uh, with him as, as a vine and branches. Uh, just yesterday, I went over to my neighbor's house and started cutting down his tree for the sake of this illustration. I thought to myself, this is not from my neighbor's tree. This is, this is from our tree, so he's not mad at me. Um, this, is, this is a 
a, a branch, right? And it was connected to a tree. It was flourishing. It was growing. Uh, and I cut it off. And I, I killed it yesterday, just yesterday. And because uh, I wanted to use this as a sermon illustration. And so I practiced on my kids last night. Uh, I had them gather in the living room and I pulled out uh, this from our, from our tree and I asked my children, uh, what is this? And they said, a stick. And I was like, that's not exactly what I was going for, but like, what else would you call it? And one of my children said, uh, that's a branch. And I was like, yes, it's a branch. I'm like, this is going to work. And I'm like, what is the branch connected to? And one of my children, who will remain nameless, said, a bush. <laughs> and I said, no, nah, nah, not exactly. Like, what, what's, what's the branch connected to? And they're like, a tree. And I'm like, yes. And then they realized that I was telling a, like an illustration from Scripture. And they said, well, that, that right there uh, is, is a branch and it's connected to a vine. And I said, yes. And I'm like, what happens if you disconnect uh, the branch from the vine? Like, what, what's going to happen to this? Right now, it looks like fairly healthy. The leaves are still uh, green. You kind of look at it and you go, that's, that's a good-looking branch. Uh, but with enough uh, time, if I simply set this down or set it aside or put it back in my trunk where it was when I came to church this morning, uh, it will uh, die. Right? It's not going to flourish because it's, it's not connected to the tree. It's not uh, connected to uh, the life source, the very thing that, that gives it life. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and he teaches his followers that if you stay uh, connected uh, to me, you will experience life. Like you, you, will, you will bear fruit. But the minute you disconnect um, the, the branch uh, from the vine, uh, that no longer is life-giving. Uh, that no longer produces fruit. And so Jesus is painting this picture for, for us that if you stay connected to the vine, if you stay connected uh, to him, you will experience life and you will experience fruit. But if you are disconnected uh, from him, you will not experience fruit. Well, how do you do that? John, uh, or Jesus begins to give us some idea when he says uh, that, that I uh, have called you to abide in my love if you keep my commandments uh, you will abide in my love. And so I think that that's part of it. But I read that and I go, okay, what does that look like? Like I want like more definition around what it means to abide in Jesus. Is it simply spiritual disciplines? Is it things that we produce? Uh, what exactly does it look like? Or what exactly does it mean? And when I think about abiding in Christ, I think about two ideas that were taught in Scripture. One is union with Christ or union with God, and one is a communion uh, with God or communion with Christ. Scripture talks a lot about this idea of union or unity uh, in Christ. Over and over again, there are passages in Scripture that uh, tell us as believers, as followers of Jesus, uh, that you are in Christ Jesus, right? We are, we are created in Christ. We have been crucified in Christ. We have been buried in Christ. We have been uh, raised to, to new life uh, in Christ. We are seated uh, with Christ in heavenly places. Uh, the church is the body of Christ. Scripture teaches us that Christ is in us and we are in him. And so we are, are united to Christ. We have a, a relationship uh, with him. That, that statement is true. Um, but, but not only are we united to Christ or united with God, but we experience communion uh, with God. That's the relationship piece. It flows out of unity. 
right? So communion with God flows out of union with God. It's, it's a relational word. It's the sense of remaining in him or dwelling with him, being with him, staying uh, with him. I think about it in terms of, of a marriage, like you can legally be married uh, to someone. You can experience that union of two becoming one, but that doesn't necessarily uh, mean you have a great relationship with that person. Well, you've experienced this before, right? We're, we're legally, uh, you're married, but for whatever reason, it seems like there are times when you're not on the same page or you're not reading from the same book. Right? So if someone said to me, James, how is your marriage? And I responded by saying, oh, it's legal. Like, you might say, yeah, but, but James, how, like, how is your, your marriage? And then if I responded to you, it's funny you should ask, I actually have my marriage license with me. Let me show it to you. And I pulled it out and said, see, everything's above board. You would say, no, no, James, how is your marriage? And if I said to you, it's funny that you should ask, um, recently did my 2018 taxes, and we filed jointly. You'd go, no, 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 James, like how, like how is your marriage? You're asking almost like a, like a communion word, like how are you doing? Not legally what is true, but like how are you doing? When, when Scripture talks about abiding in Christ, it's, it's not just some out there thing that is true, but it's like a, a boots on the ground, like how is your relationship with Jesus? And so when Scripture uh, talks about in abiding in Christ, it's not talking about changing your status with Christ. It's talking about living in communion with Christ. When Scripture talks about abiding, it's not talking about producing something that you don't have as much as it is enjoying someone that you do have. When Scripture talks about abiding in Christ, it's talking about the act of receiving all that God is for us in Christ. It, it's talk about, it's, it talks about living by faith, walking with Him, uh, trusting in Him, walking in obedience. And so what does it look like to be uh, connected to Jesus, to, to remain in Jesus, what does that look like? I thought about this the other day when uh, I walked into uh, the kitchen and I saw uh, one of my boys in uh, what is becoming an ever-increasing uh, familiar place. Right? They were in the kitchen. Uh, my, my boys are 14 and 12, and a little girl who's 7. And more and more, it's really weird, uh, it seems like I'm seeing the, the backs of their heads more than their face. Because when I walk into the kitchen, this is what I see. Like this, like the doors are open to the refrigerator and they're seeing what they can eat. Like when I wake up at six o'clock in the morning, oftentimes when I go downstairs, I see this. Later at eight o'clock in the morning, just two hours after they've already had first breakfast, it's time for second breakfast. Right, the refrigerator doors are open again at 10 o'clock. It's like, it's almost lunchtime, but not quite. And so you need a snack to kind of hold you over. And so I see this. Right after they eat lunch around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you know that time, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, where you kind of got a grumbly in your tumbly. I look, 
My children have the refrigerator doors open. They eat dinner. They put their, their plates on the counter or put them in the dishwasher. Praise God when they do that. Uh, and, and, then, and then before they even sit down, they'll come back to the refrigerator. And they're looking for more. They're, they're growing. And so they're connected uh, to the source that gives them nourishment in life. Right, if you talk to them and say, how, like, how is your appetite? Like, how are you feeling? They won't tell you, you know, it's funny, I haven't had a bite in seven weeks. They won't say that. Right, because they're, they're connected to this life-giving source that provides nourishment for them. Right, and so they don't, they don't want to leave that. They keep coming back. Right, in our relationship with Jesus, what we're doing is we're going to the source that brings us nourishment and life, and we, we come back for more. Right, and it's, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a beat down. It's not, it's not legalism to come back to him again and again and again and feast and say, God, I'm hungry. I need you to nourish my bones. Like you have to fill me. Right, when Scripture talks about abiding in Christ, it means coming to God as the source of nourishment. It's daily or hourly or minute by minute, trusting him to provide what you and I so desperately need. And so, abide in Christ. Uh, remain in him. Sit. Receive uh, from him what he so freely offers. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, what, what difference does it make? I mean, I kind of figured life out on my own. I can kind of navigate my way uh, through the day. I don't, I don't need nourishment from the Lord. I kind of figured this out. Punch the clock, I work, I come home, I do dinner, bedtime, I just, I'm fine. So what are the benefits of abiding in Jesus, of connecting to the source of nourishment in life? Well, John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, he says that we experience, or when we abide in Christ, uh, it produces confidence before him, assurance of love from him, and conformity to him. Right? So, so three things John's going to tell us in these few verses. Abiding in Christ produces confidence before him, assurance of love from him, and conformity to him. Look again at verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. So John is saying, listen, Jesus is coming again. I don't know the day or the hour. I don't know if it's going to be a Tuesday or Thursday. He's, he's coming. And knowing that, oftentimes, when, when dad's coming home, uh, if you've gotten in trouble, uh, if, if you are not on the same page with your father, uh, it is not a good thing when dad comes home. Right, when I was a little kid and I got in trouble, <laughs> it's hard to believe that it happened, but it did. A couple times I would get in trouble, and I would, a handful of times, I'd really get in trouble. And I knew I was really in trouble when my mom was so frustrated with me, she simply said, wait until your father gets home. Like, she just was so mad. She's like, your discipline is so far beyond me. I'm calling in reinforcements. Right? And I knew when my dad was coming home, like that was bad news for me. Right? There was a fear because I, I knew I was going to be disciplined. 
And, and to a lesser degree, when I was younger, there also was the sense of, of shame. Like, I, I've done something that I know I should not do. Right, so, so John writes to these churches, these house churches, and he says, listen, abide in Christ so that we may have confidence and not shrink back in shame when he comes. In other words, when you hear uh, your father kind of wiggle the, the, the doorknob on the front door, instead of shrinking back in fear, you run to him. Remember when your kids are small and they're actually happy that you come home? Right? And they run up to you. They're like outstretched arms. They're like, Daddy's home. But John's saying when we abide in Christ, when we stay connected to the source, when we come to him daily for nourishment, uh, when he comes, you will not shrink back in fear. You won't be afraid and you won't be full of shame. Right? Because you can say, I, I know he's like, we spend time together every day. I know he's coming. We're good. We just talked. Like we're on the same page. So John writes to the church and says to them, abiding in Christ produces confidence before him. Don't you want that? Don't you long? I mean, it's, it's people who are broken and sinful and have experienced the, the heartache of sin and shame. Like to know the God who knows us and made us and loves us. We're like exposed before him and yet not to be afraid. To say, man, I can't wait till my dad comes home. I can't wait to see him again. Abiding in Christ produces confidence before him and abiding in Christ produces the assurance of love from him. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called uh, children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And so John says, notice, like look, consider, experience, dwell on, think about uh, the love that God has for you. God loves you so much that by faith you are called his children. You are his son. You are his daughter. He's like, that's my girl. Like, that's my boy. Because of Jesus, God looks upon you with delight. And so, so John, I think, is trying to stir up uh, the hearts of those in the church to say, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God? And so we are. I mean, that is like, blow your socks off, kind of like good news. And that's amazing that the God that made you and knows you calls you a son or a daughter. And yet, that idea, at least for me, I don't know uh, for you, but it can seem commonplace. Like you hear it, and I mean, that whole idea, like God, God loves you. Like God, <laughs> creator of the universe, he, he loves you. I feel like it's one of those things where uh, sometimes I, I think to myself that I would, uh, I would love it if I could uh, live uh, on the beach. Maybe not actually on the beach, but like have a, have a place like on the beach and look out and see the sunrise or the sunset. And I, I, I see people who, who, who've lived on the beach before and see the sunrise or the sunset. And I think to myself, boy, this view is so spectacular. Like, you probably never grow weary of this. 
And, uh, and then <laughs> the reality is that we, we do. Like we, we miss a sunrise or a sunset or, or something that is so spectacular becomes very common to us. Because we've seen it before, we've experienced it, and it's just kind of ho-hum. Well, I think John's fighting against that. He's saying, no, I, I want you to think for a minute about the great love that God has for you. He loves you, and he's, he's crazy about you. He calls you a son or a daughter. Uh, John says one of the beauties of abiding in Christ is that we experience confidence uh, before him, assurance of love from him, and then lastly, he's going to say we experience conformity to him. Conformity to him. In other words, he's forming and shaping us. He is changing us into the image of Jesus. Verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we shall be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Isn't that beautiful? Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. In other words, uh, the, the best, the very best, is yet to come. You have not experienced it yet. You have tasted it, uh, but we have not fully experienced it yet. What we will be has not yet appeared. Uh, many years ago, before my grandmother passed away, as she was uh, getting older, she was over at my parents' house in Metro Detroit, and we uh, had spent the afternoon together, and I was walking my, my grandmother out to her car. Uh, and I walked outside, and it was just the two of us. And my grandmother was sweet. She was like, you could hold her like this. I mean, she was like this tall, just godly, godly uh, woman. And we were walking out to her car, and we got about to the sidewalk, and I stopped, and I said, Grandma, how are you doing? I said, how are you doing? And she looked at me and she said, well, James, I'm not what I was, but I'm not yet what I will be. And I thought to myself, like, who says that? <laughs> like, I was thinking, okay, or fine. I, I'm not what I was, but I'm not yet what I will be. That's a beautiful way to describe the Christian life. It's a beautiful way to describe life with God. We, we are not what we were, but we're not yet what we will be. Those weren't just the words of an 80-year-old godly lady. Those are John's words. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. Now, I love completion. Uh, I love when a project is started and finished. I love crossing the finish line. I love doing the last rep. I like making the last payment. I love being able to go, you know what? I'm done with that. You know, we don't say that on this side of heaven. But as God's kids, he's always working on us and in us and through us. He's forming and shaping us even now into the people uh, that he has called us to be. He says, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. God's forming and shaping you. If you are a follower of Jesus, if by faith you have trusted in the finished work of Christ, he's working in your heart 
uh, even right now, even as you receive the word, even as you navigate uh, through all the twists and turns in life, God is working uh, in your heart. You are not yet what you uh, will be. Uh, but one day you're going to see him face to face and you uh, will be like him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And so John writes to the church and he says, abide in him. Abide in him. Uh, sit, uh, dwell, remain in Christ. Uh, there's a handful of people in my life who uh, over many years I've developed uh, friendship with. And uh, there's a few people in my life that I have uh, determined as much as humanly possible uh, if they ask me to do something or to be somewhere, uh, I'm going to do everything I can uh, to be there and to do what they ask. And I've just made this decision because uh, I just, man, I, I love them and I think the world of them. And if they call uh, as much as possible, I am going to come. And uh, when they call and ask for me to come, I, I very excitedly uh, come. There are some people that if they were to ask me when I'm stressed out on a Saturday night and I'm thinking about the Sunday message and all I want to do is, is focus and look at, at, at this and, and work on my slides, if they were to say, James, you want to come over for dinner? I'd be like, I'll be there in five minutes. Right? I'm coming, I would just set everything aside and I would come and I would eat and I would sit and I would laugh and I would pray and I would rejoice and I would dwell because I love them. And if they were to call the next morning and say, let's do it again, I wouldn't have to pray about it. I'd be like, I'm there. Let's do it again. I feel like that's how it is uh, with life with God. Like every day, he, like he invites us to the table and he says, come, like abide. Come and, and eat and dwell and sit and remain. And so I want to invite you uh, to do that each and every day. I want to invite you to go to the God who made you and knows you and loves you and eat at his table and like soak in nourishment uh, from who uh, he is to experience his love uh, for you. Uh, you. You won't regret it. As a matter of fact, doing so will produce confidence uh, before him, assurance of love from him, and conformity to him. And so may the God who knows us and loves us and made us uh, form and shape us into the image of his son, Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father God, I, I want uh, that uh, for, for me, for, for my life. I want that uh, in the lives of uh, your people. I want us to be uh, people who abide in you, who stay close to the vine, who, who don't manufacture something that doesn't exist or conjure up something that isn't real, but, but we, we just stay in uh, your, your presence. We seek nourishment from you. We come to your table and we receive. You are a God who delights in giving us what we need, and so I pray that you might do that uh, even in this moment now. God, for folks maybe who are here this morning that, that haven't experienced that, that don't know what life uh, with you is like, I pray that you would pour faith into their hearts, that they would see uh, their sin and their desperation for you and that you would meet them. 
Uh, would they trust in the God who sent his son to live a perfect life, to die, uh, to defeat death and be raised to life? Lord, would you give them uh, that kind of life through and by faith? Do it uh, for your name's sake. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.